So glad you're here uh, this morning. Welcome to our online family. Welcome to Destiny Table New York. Um, very excited about what this next season holds as we continue to walk that out. So there's a lot going on politically in our world right now. Would you agree? I, I find it interesting. About a month ago, I felt like the Lord was prompting me to prepare two messages. Uh, one I delivered two weeks ago, and it's the alignment understanding of the Tower of Babel. And um, the, the second message is today. Um, Pastor A.T., thank you, last Sunday was just profound, with the exception of the uh, joke he told at the beginning. Oh. <laughs> uh. Um, but I just know uh, when the Lord was prompting me to do these two messages, he fully was aware that the Roe v. Wade overturn was actually going to take place between those two messages. I was not thinking that at all. I was a little bit confused, to be honest with you, which I kind of live there <laughs> with the Lord. <clears throat> Because this whole focus of what algorithm is about and these unseen uh, if, you know, effects going on in our lives contributing to our decisions, uh, I realize now this is very, very timely. And so I've taken a lot of time to pray into what I, I want to share with you. Uh, what we're learning in, in this season of time, rather than a five-week series that's packaged beautifully well, we're in a season. And uh, we're going to stay in the season until the Lord reveals the next season. We just want to cooperate with him as our way of being church. <laughs> you can't go to church. You are the church. We gather as the church. We're empowered by God to go out and be the church everywhere we go. We're learning what this all really looks like. <clears throat> but there are unseen contributors that are influencing our behaviors. Would you agree with that? There are certain uh, conclusions that drive your decisions that exist deep within your life. And, and that's the essence of algorithm. It's what we've been addressing and talking about. We've been given the power to become. That's what this whole process is within us. Like whatever you're processing in your heart is actually uh, causing you to become more. We are all in the process of becoming and what we process absolutely determines who we become. Today I'm going to give you some caution about how easy it is to process the wrong things. And if you process the wrong things, you'll produce the wrong things. If you don't like what you're producing, you have to change what you're processing. This is the process of becoming. And the Bible speaks to this in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons and daughters of God. He gave them what? Power to become. You've been given power to become the sons and daughters of God, he desires for you to become. It doesn't mean you're not sons and daughters of God. He just wants you to walk in a greater authority as sons and daughters of God by processing the right things, the presence of God, the, the word of God, the gathering of his uh, family. And out of that, something is awakened within us where we step into a deeper reality of who God's designed us to be. But we process the wrong things sometimes and it hijacks the resources of our lives. So we're going to talk about that today. I want to revisit the video that I showed you a few weeks ago. And um, 
just open disclosure, those of you online with us, uh, our hope is we're not going to get bumped off uh, for this. We're not going to play the sound to the video. We're having a hard time communicating rights of different videos and so on that we're playing. And so we had to be careful how we do that online because we went into Facebook jail for a little while and they didn't let us online. And so we don't want to go back there. How many of you have been to jail and you don't want to go there before? Some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Thank God for his redemption. <clears throat> and so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to leave the, the camera panned wide and there's not going to be any sound. But I want to just show all of you once again uh, this incredible video of research done uh, uh, on social cues and peer pressure. So here is a uh, clip where they had you know, an elevator scenario and the, there's a man who'd entered uh, the elevator and you see him on the right. And then these are people that are walking in to add peer pressure to an experience that he was not expecting. They're facing the rear of the elevator. You're not supposed to face the rear of the elevator. You're supposed to face the front. But here he is now face to face with the reality of a peer pressure that causes him to start to turn. He's, he's like trying to figure out what's going on. But something's going on within him thinking, I'm not supposed to be facing this way or they're not supposed to be facing this way. Either way, he looks at his watch kind of nervously and, and kind of acts like uh, you know he's really not paying much attention to them. But he kind of makes the shift and he starts to turn and every single time every single experiment they did exactly the same thing when one person enters the elevator uh, it's a kind of an accosting of the atmosphere but then when more people start to enter when a total of three people have entered the elevator in every single experiment <laughs> the individual in the elevator actually turns and faces the wrong way in alignment with those that are in the elevator with them. This is really significant. This next guy is my favorite. Uh, he is like really given to like their turn and then he just immediately turns. They do shifting with this guy. They go to the left. Uh, they do different things with their hat and he just follows their every single cue. He, they've shifted here and now here he is having shifted with them in the elevator. He's like, what is going on with these people? And he just follows their lead all the way around you notice uh, they're standing there with their hats off, and then we see where it opens again. <clears throat> They've shifted to the back, and now comes the hat experiment, and that's when uh, they, on cue, by the way, they're going to turn, and he just follows everything they're doing. <clears throat> so <laughs> the hat has come off. His hat comes off. <laughs> it goes back on. Okay, that's enough. How many of you know that is very funny and that is very concerning? I want you to envision with me the society that we live in is the elevator you are riding. What I'm talking about today is incredibly important for us to understand. <laughs> <clears throat> I am going to upset the apple cart. Um, there are many Americans that exist uh, in our nation who are far more politically charged than they are spiritually developed. I'll say it one more time because we really need to camp on this. 
many Americans are far more politically charged than they are spiritually developed. In fact, some people are so right about the issues that they are so proud of being right that they've got the disposition and the attitude completely wrong. They may be dead right, but nobody wants to be dead, right? I mean, we, we've got to understand there's just a big conversation going on, and how we handle this conversation is really, really important. So uh, I'm going to give you a bit of advice. This is just something over the course of time that the Lord's taught me personally about these types of issues. Anytime I'm asked to address um, or have a conversation with somebody about them, listen very carefully. The oversimplification of deeply complicated subjects is utterly frustrating to people that don't agree with your oversimplified conclusion. You hear what I'm saying? Oversimplification is not going to help anybody. We need to at least have a starting point that says, I agree this is a complicated issue. Not, you're an idiot if you don't see it my way. So let's make sure we all understand. I'm, I'm driving down the pathway of the Roe v. Wade overturn, and, 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 and we support that. I want to make sure there's no question in anybody's mind. I know there are varying views and perspectives and positions, even within family members. of. But let me just make it very, very clear. As the lead pastor of this church, uh, our church family position our elders are in agreement, our staff is in agreement, our church family position is that abortion takes a human life. We need to understand that is our church family position. <laughs> we derive that conclusion not because it's convenient, but because it's biblical. In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says in the Old Testament, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Folks, life is not a question of does it begin at conception or birth. Before God formed you in a womb, he knew you. You existed before the conception even happened and the purposes of God existed for your life before you were ever born. So to disrupt that is for us to say, I'll be God now and I'm going to make the choice. So that's an Old Testament reference. And then in the New Testament, the whole question of is it a baby until it's born? And, and I just... Anytime somebody's referencing the fetus, you know, just, I, just, I, just, I, I mean, I just want to say, you know, Mary walked into the room where Elizabeth was, and the Bible says the baby leaped in her womb. Didn't say the fetus jolted or the blob maneuvered. It said the baby in the womb. It's a baby according to the Word of God. I, 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 we, there's no question where we stand. That being said, we need to understand a little bit about the cancel culture that we live in, how to navigate these complicated, even troubled waters. So two weeks ago, I began to introduce the idea out of Genesis 11, the, the Tower of Babel. If you've not heard that message, please go back and listen to that message because it serves as a foundation for today. Share that message. Share today's message, uh, social media, however you'd like, because I think people will appreciate a balanced perspective of conservative Christians who take a stand on truth, but we understand God is love. It's very important we see this. 
but, but let's, let's just define it a bit. Genesis chapter 11, the Bible actually speaks of the Tower of Babel and it says using the same language, using the same words, let us make a name for ourselves. This is all out of Genesis 11. They were using the same language, they were using the same words, and they were making a name for themselves and they were building a tower as high as the heavens. What we know is that today, Babel is not a physical tower, but Babel is actually intellectual architecture. It's this group think around any towering idea that cancels you if you don't surrender under that towering idea to what we've decided is our priority in society. That's the cancel culture that you and I live in. But I'm just telling you, as Paul stood on Mars Hill and unashamedly declared, Jesus is Lord and God's word is true, so shall it be that we will take that stand as a church family. We must. This is just this idea of supremacy. Human supremacy. We're going to build a name for ourselves. We're going to build the tower as high as the heavens. And listen, there are a lot of dollars that flow toward various ideologies in our, in our society, in our world. And, and, and those dollars in many ways help perpetuate those ideas. You, you understand? That's the essence of our worship of giving. Do you follow me? Like when we worship the Lord with our giving, what we're saying is we are people of God's kingdom and we want to see God's kingdom expand in the earth. And I encourage you to explore, discover, and devote yourself, I mean with deep-seated conviction to what it means to bring your tithes and your offering before the Lord in an attitude of worship. Because we're here to say God's kingdom has come. We're here to declare and promote to those around us all that God's desiring uh, to, to, for them to comprehend and understand and for that transformation to begin to take place. Now, I do think it's interesting because you realize in the, in the society that you and I live in, it's as if the church has slowly started falling asleep while the, church, uh, while the world around us has become woke. I just want to make sure we all understand, woke gives the idea of progressivism that in many ways and most ways is contrary to the belief of Scripture. I, I, I had an interaction with somebody online recently who calls herself a Woklahoman. And her hashtag is conservative Christians suck. You need to understand what woke means. This is not a term that you dance around with and, and toy with. I mean, this is about, we've got to understand the reality of truth is the defining variable for all of our lives. So there's so much, you know, so much confusion going on. And, and two weeks ago, part of what I shared was we now have a person who's been appointed to the highest court in the land that could not give us the description of a woman when she was appointed to that Supreme Court justice role. Suddenly, Roe v. Wade overturns and everybody now knows what a woman is. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> There's no question. There are babbles that are erected in our society. And they begin to have an influence in the way we think. The term transgender used to be 
this terminology that would be controversial. But now it's become mainstream. Now there are conversations going on about allowing children to have surgeries to determine the sexuality that they have decided they are as children because just because you're born with male parts doesn't mean your sex is male in this way of thinking. We don't agree with that. Nor should you. As a Bible-believing Christian, you should not buy into this towering babble that is trying to take you down a path you do not want to go. Paul warned Timothy of this day. 2 Timothy chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. Judgment is pending. We, we need to understand that. You can't just run around and do whatever you want, believe whatever you want, and say whatever you want, and, and expect there's never going to be any consequential issue with you from God. Christ Jesus, the God, uh, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is the Apostle Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct. Part of being a Christian is being willing to be corrected by the Bible and by those that you would call spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. There will be a great number of teachers that will do what I'm doing right now, only their motive will not be to declare the truth. They won't preach for the presence of God. They will preach for the absence of criticism. We won't do that here. This is a reference to what some have termed progressive Christianity. This, this progressive Christianity of our day works to accommodate everyone's views except for God's. It's the same concept and idea of all these idols to all these gods. We don't want to you know, disrupt it. We want to make sure we're accommodating everybody's viewpoint because that's the kind thing to do. That's the, even in the progressive Christianity role, that would be defined as that's the Christ-like thing to, to do. That's not true. We have so pollinated our theology with worldly philosophy that we don't even know where our theology ends and where our philosophy begins. Woke Christianity, progressive Christianity, enlightened Christianity, it's all about tolerance instead of repentance Christianity, and I believe God today, and we're going to get to why I'm going to say this, but I believe God today is revealing there are many of us in this room that need to repent. Many of you online need to repent, and I'm not ashamed to declare repentance is necessary when you've got your attitude wrong. 
They didn't kill Jesus because he was about world peace and a sweet, harmonious individual who walked around promoting goodness. They killed Jesus. He wasn't some effeminate sheep stroker that didn't stand for something. They killed Jesus because he was politically incorrect and unbending when it came to truth. Don't just hear what everybody else is hearing and respond how everybody else is responding. Get with God and discern that which is true and that which is false. In many ways, the church has started to embrace toxic perspectives that have originated with people who don't follow Jesus. In many ways, the church has begun to embrace toxic perspectives that come from people that are not spiritually alive. They are spiritually dead. They don't have the spirit of God. They don't believe in the word of God. You should never follow these individuals and you should never become one of their evangelists trying to perpetuate their ideology that flies in the face of the very heart of Jesus Christ. What we process determines who we become. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Tells us, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, so far it's just been beautiful, hasn't it? It's been great. Like, I'm so glad my pastor is making these statements and Somebody's got to say it. Thank God he's saying it. The next part might be a little more unpleasant for you. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't behave like the world behaves. It's great if you don't believe like the world believes because God's word is true. But you should also not behave like the world behaves because God's word is true. You and I must be unbending when it comes to truth. That's why we're starting with this point of understanding where we stand. No question about that. We must be unbending when it comes to truth. But please hear me when I say you can be unbending when it comes to truth without being unloving or unkind. So there's been this incredible you know, interaction, all this social media eruption, and, and I'm, I, I can't even really explain the depth of why, but I just, everything about it just was hitting me wrong, and I started having a conversation with our family, just the, the tit-for-tat exchange and interaction and the hateful ex- expressions, and, and that'll teach you, we got it, we won, I, I mean... Come on. Uh, first thing I want to say to you is guard your social media rhetoric. 
I'm just going to tell you, nobody in the history of social media ever said, my life completely changed because of your post against what I believe. You're only infuriating the issue. And it's not that you don't stand for what we stand for. It's just that you don't do this in an unbending way that's unloving and unkind. Because God is love. We really do need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about winning arguments. I'm specifically speaking Roe v. Wade. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about winning arguments and gloating over having won the argument. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about the transforming love of Christ changing the world around us. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will tell you, it's important that we realize Jane Rowe of Roe v. Wade, who won the battle in the sense, um, would later come forward. Her name is Norma McCorvey. About a decade after this, she would come forward and she would completely change her position because of the damage abortions uh, do for women. She joined the fight of pro-life. Do you know know that? Like the very person that was the kingpin personality fighting for this a decade later said, the ramifications of this are so overwhelming that I'm changing my position altogether. I'm now going to fight for the side I fought against. You know, I want to say that to say, Tracy and I have had quite a bit of uh, discussion about this. And, you know, as elders, once a month we're presented and we invite you to come and receive prayer. And I know that there are women in our church that have come and said, I've had an abortion. Can God forgive me? I want you to understand something. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, the grace of God will redeem you and restore you and replenish you. You need to understand. You need to know that. Come on, celebrate that more. Let's just shake that off and break that condemnation in Jesus' mighty name. But we can't celebrate this victory as if that's the expression of the gospel when what this victory means is that you do understand there are going to be more children that will be in a system in the world in which you and I live as a result of this overturn. I know there's going to be a lot going on legislatively and so forth. But bearing that in mind, I just want to point you to the responsible approach. You understand, somebody can disagree with you on your position, and and if you're able to take a responsible disposition with what, not, not gloating in your face, overturned, 
but rather we as a church want to do all that we can to treat individuals with dignity and respect and help them in what they may find as a moment of crisis in their life. And I encourage you, um, Dana Davis works with this ministry called Care Portal. There's a team of people that work with this, but, but I, I visited with her a little bit this morning, and I just want to point, if you will text FAM to the number on the screen, then you can find out how you might be able to be a part of offering support and help to a system that is going to need more support and help in the next few decades. How many of you know? In the next decade. And so we don't want to just say, yay, we're, we're pro-life, we see the Roe v. Wade return. We want to say, we as a church want to take a responsible, loving attitude and say, there's a better way. And we want to try and help and assist with that. And this, this whole, uh, what you'll find, Care Portal, is about intersecting D, uh, DHS workers. I'm so thankful for a team of people, a family, that's involved and engaged governmentally and in various roles, various ones of us serve. And in this instance, what we're doing is connecting the church with a government agency. And the government agency, the DHS workers, go in and they assess the situation. They derive an understanding of what the needs are. And then they communicate through this process. These are the needs that's sent out to not only our church, but a variety of churches. This is a great ministry. We need a bed. Here's a grandparents having to take over the situation. Here's somebody that's fostering. They weren't prepared for this child. And we then provide clothing. We provide beds. You know, different things that you may actually have in your house that you could give up if you knew there was a need. But we don't know how to get connected to the need. And this is a beautiful way for us to intersect that. Let's be the church. So I'm going to ask you this week, your action point of the week. We bring God's presence to real life. God's presence to real life. GP2RL. Your GP2RL action point of the week is to memorize this verse of Scripture and to reflect on it every day. I want to ask you sincerely, take Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I want to ask you to reflect on that this week. And it's just funny trying to learn how to be a little more cooperative with God in the way you preach sermons or in the way we lead worship or, you know, whatever it is we're doing. Because like I'm finished preaching my sermon, I, I want to ask you to repent if you've come under the towering ideas that are contrary to the Word of God. I also want to ask you to repent if you've come under the towering ideas that have produced an attitude that is hateful in disposition and that is contrary to the love of Christ because that's not going to win the lost. So repent, church family, all of us. How many of you would agree there's some areas in your life that you need to bring before the Lord? Let's be honest, just real quick, just hold them up there. That's a good number of us. We as Christians, this is the thing. We don't have it all together. And Christianity is not a presentation we make of having it all together. 
Christianity is recognizing Jesus is the only one who truly has it all together and our surrender to him helps him to live through us. And the more we die to ourselves, the more he lives through our surrendered available lives. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't try and act nice when you're not nice. Be honest, I'm not nice. I'm trying, but I'm letting Jesus be nice through me. That's the gospel. I mean, it's just true. But I, I felt like I was to issue that challenge, and I'm going to just kind of leave that with you in your heart. We're going to worship a bit. The team can go ahead and come up. We're going to just press in and worship. The communion is at the middle here. You know, if you want to just go back and just share in the broken body and the shed blood of Christ and do that in a meaningful way. There's a giving station. If you just say, I need to break materialism off my life. I've not been faithful with tithes and offering. I've allowed other things to distract me. What you're doing is withholding the resource of your life from the perpetuation of the kingdom of God expanding in the earth. And it's idolatry. This is, this is Mars Hill conversation. All kinds of idolatry takes us into all kinds of directions away from the kingdom of God. But I felt like the Lord was asking me to share this with you as kind of a concluding point. I, I'm, I'm just kind of cramming it in, just to be honest with you, because I don't know how to fit it. But I'm going to do what the Lord asked me to do. I'm really working at that more. The, the church has had a hyper-focus on the second coming of Christ. A lot of people with various platforms have taken um, a very sensationalized approach to the book of Revelation, the mark of the beast, the, the return of Christ, what that's going to look like. I mean, I, I've, we've done a lot of study on eschatology here congregationally. Uh, I went through an you know, entire season of exploring this myself to try and come up with where I stood on it. And then we began to look at these. I presented the three different, you know, pre, mid, post, uh, and half of what I talked about then. I don't even agree with now. I'm trying to figure it all out. How many know we're all on a journey? I do know this. Jesus is coming back. But here's the problem. We've taken all these ideas and we've freaked everybody out so that we capture their attention and we draw them in with a sensationalized disposition of the gospel. And, and we've done it at the expense of understanding Jesus is not coming back for a weak, surface, socialized gospel church. That is not biblical. So for us to see the church deluding into this perspective and saying, come back, Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back any day. He's going to come back. We've had this hyper-focus on Jesus coming back, and this is why. It's just natural in us. How many of you would agree most of us spend more time planning a vacation than we do our financial future? And the reason is because it's easier to escape than it is to change same reason there's this hyper focus on the second coming of Christ it's just easier to escape this world than it is to really devote ourselves to understanding what does this mean to walk in the authority of God in such a way that the enemy is silenced everywhere we go because we've grown deeper in the word and deeper in prayer we've become mature the bride of Christ has called us to be we're not we're not um easily swayed into the world's attitude and the way we're holding to the truth. I guarantee you today, there are many pastors who have railed in platforms and they've done it thinking they're totally spiritually mature, but the 
they're absolutely being used by the enemy to perpetuate something. Though they're on the right side of the issue, there's an attitude being awakened in the church that's unhealthy. I won't have anything to do with it. I hope you'll repent of it if you have. The authority of God released in the people of God on the earth is what will turn loose and release the power of God to bring transformation to our nation. We have different roles to serve. Some people serve in political capacities. Some people serve in a variety of capacities, legislative capacities. I understand all those sort of things, and you serve in those capacities. But don't you get confused. The number one way the world is going to see transformation is by the power of God released in the sons and daughters of God bringing revival into the land. That power will not be released to a divided church. That's why you really need to hear me when I say this phrase, and I say it often. We can have distinction without having to have division. You don't even have to like everything I've said today, and, and, and we can still be in unity even if we're not in agreement. Because we understand we're all on a journey just trying to find our way, and Jesus is big enough to sort it all out. The unified church is the mature church. The immature church allows every little attitude and disposition and voting tendency or whatever it may be to divide us, and then we're just easy prey to the enemy that way. But I say it's time for the church to be mature, full of power, full of anointing, walking in the Spirit of God in a way the gifts of the Spirit begin to be awakened within us as our way of life. Even our focus on the gifts of the Spirit has in so many ways been so sensationalized to try and capture attention and solicit. Come on, let's just stand and invite the Lord to help us. I want you to know Jesus is who he says he is. He is Lord. He came, he lived, he died. But he's risen from the grave. And that Apostle Paul, where I stood there, I don't know if you sense there's a deeper, uh, there's something deeper in me that's going on. Even in the way I'm preaching right now. I know God is doing this in us as a church family. We have an apostolic grace assignment. I don't understand how to walk in that, but we're going to figure that out. We're going to sort that out. We're going to invite the Lord to help us understand as we walk in that. You're going to begin to walk in a deeper sense of humility and a greater place of authority in the way you address the spiritual climate around you. In Jesus' mighty name, do you receive that over your own life? So, Lord, we just acknowledge you are God, we are not. Elevating any opinion, perspective, or disposition to be a tower as high as the heavens is the pursuit of supremacy, and we repent, Lord, for that. In the very beginning, it was the pursuit of perfection and supremacy that got Adam and Eve into trouble. Would you help us, Lord, to find our way into a deeper place of humility? That we might follow the example of Christ. Because it's the humility of Jesus that unlocks the authority of God. Without humility, we can't be trusted with the power of authority. 
We'll use it for our own advantage. We'll loiter over people. And God, I pray you would have your way. You begin to transform us. Transform us into the bride you desire for us to become. In the name of Jesus, we surrender to the cross of Christ today. We surrender to the cross of Christ today. We lay our lives down. We want to know what it is to be living sacrifices. We want to bring our worship, Lord, before you in a sacrificial way as a church family. As we say, we honor you, Lord. We love you. We bless you. In the name of Jesus. We're going to take a few moments in worship. I'm going to invite the prayer team if they'll find their way back under the lights. If there's anything that we can pray in agreement with you about, whatever that may be, this is one thing that we don't do as a church family. We simply don't judge people. We just want to love people. I mean, that's the number one thing people have always said to me about our church. I just love your family, your church family is so embracing. I'm thankful for that. But come on, let's press in. We're just going to worship. You can find your way to the communion stations, giving station. Go back and let the prayer team just pray in agreement with you. We believe in the power of prayer. As we press in and we worship the Lord, let's just... Um, avail our hearts. This is part of our assignment, so I want to make sure I reiterate this often. Let's stay in there to see this through. There's something God's stirring in our hearts. Let's worship for a few moments here before we're dismissed. Someone will come and formally dismiss us to go, but let's just allow the Holy Spirit to do a deep work within all of us today. Jesus.